Hi, Anxiety Masters. Welcome back to A Slice of Life. This is the Anxiety Master podcast with me, your host, Dominic Decker, here to help you live a strong and confident life. This episode offers a reading of the online Anxiety Master resource, Five Essential Communication Skills for Healthy and Loving Relationships. The reason for compiling this is because I'm often approached by couples looking to improve communication within their relationships, so I thought it might be helpful to cover a few key points and practical strategies that, if understood and implemented, will improve the quality of your partnership. Now, you'll also find a link to the article and a shareable PDF version in the show notes, so go ahead and download your copy if you'd like to. And before diving in, I want to share a a myth of relationship communication, just so we can kind of start with a good setting. So frequently, couples contact me to ask if I can help them improve their communication. Now, naturally, effective communication is a valid and essential quality of a functioning relationship. Yet, it's worth noting that good communication is not the reason for a healthy relationship. You see, this is getting cause and effect confused. Instead, good communication is a feature of a healthy relationship, while problems with communication are a symptom of a relationship that's already in hardship. So for instance, if you think back to the early days of your time together, both you and your partner likely had positive expectations of one another, and as a result, your communication was good. Well, you likely made space and time for one another, you would have been kind and generous in your interpretations of each other's intentions and behaviour, and perhaps gave attention freely and looked to recognise your partner's qualities with hope and interest. Now here, there's a good chance that things worked well, and when a relationship works well, it's easy to communicate well. Perhaps this was before the external pressures of co-living, parenting, or simply just the daily stresses of navigating life came between you both. That being said, with care and awareness, there's always room for improved communication in all of our relationships, in fact, in all of our daily interactions. So whether it's a partner, a friend or a family member, you can apply today's principles and strategies to transform how you relate to those you care about the most. Okay, let's dive in. Effective communication weaves crucial elements, for instance, acceptance, belonging and emotional connection of an intimate relationship together. So when our ability to communicate effectively is compromised, we often feel misunderstood, rejected, or stressed and upset. So why is this? Well, because at its core, a relationship is a shared investment. It's a joint declaration of hopes, dreams and intentions. So we instinctively monitor this investment to ensure that our needs and desires are acknowledged and truly understood. Now, consistent practical and emotional reassurances that our partner is on the same page help maintain this precious joint asset. So we seek clear indications that our partner stands with us in upholding the core qualities that form our relationship's foundation. These are like loyalty, honesty, safety and trust. But the dangers of poor communication or conflict can destabilise these foundations, leading both partners to retreat into individual narratives about what went wrong, who's to blame, and what the other should be doing to put things right again. So during turbulent times, harmful communication patterns often emerge. We have criticism, finding and highlighting our partner's perceived faults or shortcomings, 
defensiveness, reacting to perceived attacks by refusing responsibility and retaliating or withdrawing. Then there's stonewalling, shutting down, becoming unresponsive to our partner's attempts at communication, either verbally or non-verbally. And we have withdrawal of affection. This is withholding physical or emotional tenderness to manipulate or punish our partner. These destructive habits only widen the chasm between each partner's perspective, undermining faith in the relationship. So the essence of what we say and what our partner hears can represent different meanings, leading to a frustrating and draining breakdown in mutual understanding. This is why mastering communication in a relationship is also crucial, ensuring that we understand our partner and feel understood Ultimately, losing sight of each other's perspectives can only do harm. And of course, this is never what we want. So if what I've said resonates with you, this episode, this relationship advice guide is for you. Written to help you improve your relationship communication skills, it's going to guide you in reaffirming your intention to build a partnership that offers stability and joy. Understanding yourself and your partner requires genuine commitment It's a commitment that involves listening to understand your partner better, not just to respond. You need to be able to tune into the subtext, becoming attuned to what your partner is really saying. What's the underlying message in the words that they use? Reflecting honestly upon where your assumptions may be causing harm. Fostering a receptive attitude to change the story that you're telling yourself. Embracing getting it wrong and taking pride in apologising and being prepared to move on from the past and look to the future. So are you ready to put this work in? Because relationships require effort and dedication. However, the effort required to do justice to your relationship will be lighter than the weight of regret if you fail to try. So as you embark on this journey of understanding and nurturing your relationship, know that your efforts will be rewarding and well worth it. So to our first step, Know how to improve communication in your relationship. Understanding communication styles here. You see, effective communication in your relationship is about more than just speaking and listening because it requires a deep understanding of how you and your partner uniquely express yourselves. Keep in mind that not everyone communicates in the same way. And for instance, some people prefer an immediate frank discussion when faced with a problem. In contrast, others need time to process their feelings before talking. Recognising these differences in communication styles is crucial as it sets the foundation for mutual understanding in your relationship. Similarly, understanding your partner also involves recognising the unique ways you both prefer to express and receive love and appreciation. Now, More recently, these ways of expressing love have been framed as love languages, This is a concept presented by Dr. Gary Chapman and his work identifies five primary love languages. These are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service and physical touch. And so by understanding these love languages, both your own and your partner's, you can communicate your expectations and eliminate the guesswork in deciphering your partner's desires. So To reflect upon this concept of love languages, take a moment to consider what gestures or acts of love resonate with you the most. Perhaps it's hearing compliments or words of affirmation like, you're looking great today. 
or the thought and time that go into simple acts of service, such as a meal cooked for you after a long day's work. You may value receiving small tokens of affection, like a loving note on the breakfast table, or it could be the quality time that you spend together that nourishes your relationship. For some, physical closeness, whether it's holding hands, kissing, hugging, makes your time together feel genuinely worthwhile. Emotionally secure and intimate relationships often involve a combination of these gestures and expressions of love. However, the others won't replace your partner's primary preference for experiencing love. This is usually what they're inclined to offer. So, for instance, if physical touch is yours or your partner's preference, no number of presents or compliments will replace this. They want to know that you're there emotionally and physically. With this in mind, here are some questions to deepen your understanding of your partner's love language. Number one, what makes you feel deeply appreciated? Then, have you asked your partner what makes them feel genuinely appreciated? And to what extent are you both aware of and aim to fulfil each other's preferences? Now remember as well, writing down your answers or discussing them with your partner is beneficial. These open conversations play a vital role in improving communication within your partnership. The next step is to understand your emotional needs in a relationship. So to build trust and enhance communication, you must understand and learn to fulfil yours and your partner's emotional needs. Well, just as we have fundamental physical needs like food, water, warmth and shelter for survival, we also have critical emotional needs that ensure our emotional health and well-being. Now, when emotional needs are met, we feel at peace and secure. And this in turn gives us the extra capacity to face relationship challenges and overcome them as a team. Well, meeting emotional needs is vital for maintaining a healthy loving relationships. So let's delve into these nine emotional needs. Well, we've got security. A sense of safety and certainty is foundational for human development. So in a relationship context, security means feeling safe to express emotions and thoughts without fearing judgment, dismissal or rejection. It also refers to trust. This is knowing that your partner will act in your best interests. Next is attention. Receiving and giving attention is a fundamental form of energy exchange. In your relationship, this might manifest as active listening or showing interest in your partner's day or activities and acknowledging their feelings and interests. Now, if we're honest, there will be times when giving our partner the attention they want is going to be difficult. I mean, perhaps they want to go over the same old things or just relay boring details from throughout their day. And whilst there's nothing wrong with this, well... If we've had our own difficult day or we're tired or we've got other things on our mind, offering this attention is going to be difficult. But you see, it's in those moments where we find that capacity within ourselves to offer our partner the attention they want, even if it's just to go over the boring fundamentals of what's going on in their brains, that we really get to show that person that we care. So if you can extend yourself in this way, you know that you'll be doing a fantastic service of offering your partner the attention that they need. Next, we've got intimacy. Intimacy and emotional connection underpin our relationships. Emotional intimacy in a relationship involves sharing your deepest thoughts, fears, hopes and dreams with your partner. This is fostering the vulnerability, closeness and mutual understanding 
that you want to share between you both. We've also got a need for privacy. This is time and space to reflect upon and consolidate experiences, and this is really essential. Even in a relationship, respecting your partner's need for occasional solitude and supporting their desire for privacy is crucial. Then we've got a connection to a broader community. This is another essential need. Interacting with a larger social group and feeling part of that group can bring fulfilment. And this can be achieved through shared social activities such as attending gatherings with friends or family as a couple or participating in community events or causes together. We also have a need for competence and achievement. So having a sense of our abilities and the conviction that we can meet life's demands is essential. In a relationship, this involves recognising and respecting each other's skills, talents and accomplishments, celebrating successes and offering support in areas of personal growth. We have a need for autonomy and control, and this is having a sense of agency over our lives. In a relationship, this could mean having an equal say in major decisions like where to live or whether to have children. Then we have a need for status. Feeling accepted and valued in our social groups is vital for our self-esteem. And this need can be met in relationships by feeling valued and respected by your partner. It might involve acknowledging each other's roles in the relationship and society and showing appreciation for each other's contributions. And finally, we have a, a need for meaning and purpose. This is being stretched, aiming for meaningful goals and having a sense of a higher calling or serving others creates a sense of purpose. In a relationship, this can involve sharing common goals and values or supporting each other's individual endeavours and working together towards shared dreams or objectives. Now when these emotional needs are sufficiently fulfilled, we feel validated and secure about our place in the world. But on the other hand, unmet needs can become a significant stressor within our lives. So how do these needs relate to successful relationships? Well, you can think of these nine needs as the elements of emotional nutrition. So when partners meet their emotional requirements from different sources, whether it's friends, family, hobbies, meaningful work and experiences, etc., they feel emotionally well-fed. And this results in two people with sufficient emotional reserves to support one another. In a relationship, the needs of both individuals are equally important. If someone is unhappy, stressed or anxious, likely one or more of their emotional needs are not being fulfilled. The subsequent distress can then impact the relationship and sometimes a partner might think that the relationship is at fault when, in reality, it's their own life that's out of balance, yet they look to the relationship as a solution to their troubles. I want to briefly share with you Tom's story. He was blaming the relationship for his own emotional upset Now Tom sat before me and wept. He'd nearly ended his marriage to a loving partner, a turn of events that would also restrict access to his two wonderful children. How could he have been so stupid? This was the question that had been circling in his thoughts and tormenting him. So what had happened? Well, two years prior, Tom and his wife had moved from the US to Germany to be closer to her family. The transition had started relatively well, However, the arrival of a second child had made it hard for Tom to adjust to his new life. He couldn't muster the strength and focus to learn German, and as a result, his social and professional outlook had stalled. 
In short, he'd become a shadow of his former, confident and capable self. Tom felt trapped. In his distress, he looked to his family circumstances as the reason for his troubles. Reminiscing about less troubled and demanding times, he nearly concluded that he needed to be alone. Fortunately, Tom came to a realisation. His troubles were nothing to do with his loving wife and beautiful children. His troubles resulted from unmet needs in his life, ones his wife could offer support for, but ultimately only he could fix. Now, understanding your emotional needs and taking active steps to meet them is one of the proactive steps that you can take towards a healthy and prosperous relationship. So here are some questions with this in mind to contemplate. Which of these needs might not be adequately met for you? Which of these needs might not be fulfilled for your partner? And what steps might you take to support yourself and your partner towards meeting these needs? Now, I'd invite you to make sure you take some time to consider these questions, first individually and then together. And in fact, you can assess your emotional health. There's a free download to my free emotional health checkup. And this is going to guide you through a checklist with everything you need to know. And there's an assessment in there as well. It's a highly useful resource. So make sure you check out the link in the show notes and grab a copy today. On to our next step, supporting each other's emotional needs in a relationship. So, primarily, solid relationships revolve around mutual support and service. A thriving partnership is one where you're committed to helping each other meet these emotional needs. But how might we achieve this? Well, of course, some needs, such as the desire for intimacy and attention, are directly tied to our relationships. In such instances, you can fulfil your partner's needs by offering emotional connection and remaining mindful of the desire for occasional privacy. However, specific needs like a sense of status and competence must often be fulfilled individually. So we have to recognise that we all meet these emotional needs differently and this diversity is normal and healthy. It's a testament to our individual experiences, preferences and identities. So for example, one person might derive a sense of status from their work successes. Equally, another might find it through being a trusted confidant within their social circle. These variations don't imply superiority or deficiency. They merely reflect our unique selves. So while you can't do your partner's work for them, you can support them in pursuing emotional fulfilment. In other words, and this is the really important point, you can't meet someone's needs for them. But what you can do is help your partner create the conditions in which they meet those needs for themselves. So, for instance, well, let's say if work success contributes significantly to your partner's sense of status, you might understand and accept when they occasionally work late. And this understanding and support becomes a reciprocal benefit. Well, you support your partner's work endeavours, and in return, they come home feeling understood and grateful for your support. But remember, this exchange is all about balance. So a successful relationship hinges on ongoing negotiation where you and your partner are ready to adapt and compromise to enhance each other's well-being. Every relationship is unique and you and your partner must devise a mutual commitment that aligns with your circumstances. So if the fulfilment of one partner's needs interferes with the other's happiness, well this must be addressed. A mutual compromise is critical in ensuring each other's welfare in a relationship. A commitment to compromise 
often leads to a middle ground that you can both agree upon. There are times, of course, when individual needs can clash. So, for instance, imagine partner A coming home from a hectic day at work, hoping to unwind. Now, meanwhile, partner B, after managing domestic chores and family matters, also craves respite and attention. So here, both partners need empathy and understanding. I mean, each has legitimate needs. The challenge arises when these needs clash. So while partner A needs privacy to decompress, partner B seeks attention and emotional connection. Now, both desires are legitimate, yet it isn't possible to fulfil them simultaneously. So anticipating and planning for such situations with your partner can improve outcomes. And sometimes you may need to deprioritize your needs and at other times your partner might need to do the same. So questions here to ponder. Well, how might you support one another in better fulfilling your emotional needs? What would a meaningful compromise look and feel like between you both? And what would it take to temporarily put your needs on hold to support your partner's endeavours. Now again, discuss these questions with your partner, listen, acknowledge and reflect upon your partner's responses and this is how you continue to establish trust. The next step, prioritising presence and quality time in your relationship. So relationships thrive on regular maintenance and flourish only with dedicated attention and care. How do we manage this amidst daily demands such as chores, work or caring for children? Well, the key lies in making some commitments that ensure you both carve out meaningful quality time together. So commitment one, schedule quality time. Or whether you're the type of person who wishes to connect with their partner the moment they step through the door, or you're someone who needs a little time to decompress first, setting expectations can help avoid tension. The first step is establishing a mutually agreeable time for connection, considering both partners' needs and daily schedules. The second commitment is to dedicate uninterrupted attention. Now, attention is a vital ingredient in improving communication in relationships. It fosters a sense of acceptance and reassurance, serving as a calming antidote to daily stresses. Or for effective communication, make a point to listen attentively and understand your partner's experiences and perspective rather than just responding. This level of presence promotes empathy and fosters deeper connections. Commitment three, be mindful of conversation content. So when time is precious, conversations often gravitate towards conflicts or concerns within the relationship. Although addressing these issues is essential, This quality time should allow you to discuss thoughts and experiences outside the relationship context. Sharing and understanding your partner's daily challenges or successes can help strengthen your bond. And a fourth commitment is to stay open and receptive. These conversations provide an opportunity to share your positive and negative experiences Resist the urge to jump to solutions or steer the conversation away when discomfort arises. Instead, aim to listen and acknowledge your partner's feelings. I use this time to celebrate victories and fostering a shared journey and accomplishment. Here are some questions for reflection. How can you overcome obstacles to finding mutually agreeable quality time together? And how can you ensure that your shared time encompasses topics 
beyond relationship issues. On to our fifth and final step, managing conflict and knowing how to manage an argument in your relationship. So conflicts are a natural and inevitable part of any relationship. However, how these disagreements are handled can significantly influence the health and longevity of your partnership. So remember, the presence of arguments doesn't necessarily denote a troubled relationship. It's how you resolve these conflicts that genuinely matters. And constructive disagreements can strengthen a relationship, but if discussions devolve into blame games, accusations or personal attacks, they could indicate more profound problems. So I want to offer you a resolve it right argument guide to facilitate productive, respectful discussions. Now, I really appreciate that in the height of a disagreement or an emotional situation with your partner, trying to come back to practice these kinds of techniques and strategies can be really challenging. So what I would say is this. Number one, um, the guide that I'm just about to share with you, firstly, read through and become familiar with it yourself and then practice it with your partner in a time of calm so that when you need to call upon it, it's already there as a familiar friend. So here we go then. This is the Resolve It Right argument guide. Step one, when an argument arises, agree on uninterrupted speaking time. So you should have five minutes each to express your feelings without interruption. And this practice fosters respect and understanding in the relationship. Next, focus on the present issue. So try to avoid dredging up old grievances as easy as it is. Stay focused on the current disagreement to prevent escalating the argument. Step three, avoid personal attacks. So focus on addressing the issue at hand, not attacking each other's character. After all, it's you and your partner versus the problem, not you versus your partner. Step four, bypass absolutes. You really want to stay clear of words like always and never, because these blanket statements are rarely accurate and they can exacerbate conflict instead of resolving it. Step five, ensure that you're practising active listening. So after one person has spoken, the other should summarise what they've understood without judgement or criticism. And this practice promotes empathy and effective communication between you both. Now, the next step, which for many couples is the most difficult, but perhaps the most helpful, take a break. Now, once both partners have had their say, and summarised each other's points, pause the conversation. Because this break allows you to reflect upon what you've heard to calm down, regardless of whether you agree or not. Then, you want to schedule a follow-up. Well, if the issue remains unresolved, agree to revisit it in a future conversation, adhering to the same guidelines. And lastly, number eight, is to value each other's perspectives. So remember that a dispute often represents a clash of needs, not just opinions. Each person's input is valuable, and understanding each other's needs is essential to resolving the disagreement constructively. So avoid antagonising or demeaning language, and if one person consistently rebuts the other's points with superior reasoning skills, it can lead to emotional rather than rational responses. So really try to value and understand each other's contributions fully and clearly. Here are some questions to think about here. How can you and your partner integrate these guidelines into your conflict resolution strategies? And what challenges might you anticipate 
in adhering to these guidelines and how can you collaboratively, together, work through them. Okay, so that's pretty much all for today. Well, putting these five practical steps into practice will have a huge positive impact on the quality and stability of your relationship. So make sure you take the time to reflect upon the questions individually and then together. Thanks for being here today. And don't forget to check the show notes for the link for the emotional health check-in and also for the PDF version of today's reading. Take care and I'll see you soon.